Today, I want to be speaking again from Psalm 126. Let's just read it quickly, shall we? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. I love that. When the Lord turned the captivity. The new King James says. The new King James, that when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion. We were like those who dreamed. Any dreamers in the house? Yeah, you dreamers. I'm not talking about you're off on cloud nine somewhere sort of floating around life. But you know the Bible says God gives dreams. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. Well, young men can dream dreams too. That's very clear because you find it all the way through the Bible. We were like those who dreamed. I got great dreams for 2022. Anybody else got some dreams for 2022? It's going to be your best year yet. Come on, you can have it if you want it. Be your best year yet. Oh, but Pastor Jay, don't you know what's going on around? Well, I've discovered that God's Word is not subject to its surroundings. Surroundings are subject to the Word of God. Amen? So you can have what you believe, but more than that, you can have what you say. Because that's what Jesus said. We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Let's all just laugh right now by faith. We learned how to do that last week. <laughs> when you get going, something happens. Some of you just go, no, I'm not getting into that. I'm not doing that. Something needs to make me laugh. Well, just one, you have a good look at the person next to you, then have another go. That'll help. <laughs> we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, which does as good like a medicine, the Bible says, and our tongues with songs of joy, which is what we've been doing this morning. Then it was said all through Bromley and Croydon and Sevenoaks and, and Southwark and Catford and Lewisham and Croydon and Orpington and Thornton Heath and Sandersted and Hayes, especially Hayes. Because God lives in Hayes and Shooters Hill and Dartford and Erith and Maidstone. Anybody else? Boston. We've got somebody from Boston. Addiscombe. Swanley. South Norwood in it. South Norwood, Chislehurst, oh, Wallington, absolutely, God needs to do something in Wallington, I'm sure, anywhere else, Peckham, come on, Snotland, come on, Maidstone, Nigeria, <laughs> Ghana, France, Shortlands, 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 Amen. Portugal, Spain, Penge, come on, come on, shout out your place by faith right now. Jamaica. Yeah. Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, 
just to say, everywhere we said, not all just all the local towns, I've preached in all of those places. I've had the honor of preaching in over 50 nations. 50 nations. And everywhere I go for the first time, I get off the plane, and as I walk down the, the steps and I hit the floor, I say, thank you, Jesus. This is my territory in Jesus' mighty name. Everywhere the sole of my foot treads. That doesn't mean to say I own the place, but that means I bear fruit where I go. Canada. Come on, guys. I'm looking at you, and where's Canada shouting now? Come on. I've not been to Canada. That's why I didn't think about it either, but there we go. But I'm sure God loves Canada. I'm sure he does. So good. It's so good. It was said in all those places... The Lord has done great things for those bunch of people there who are believing God in Citygate Church and every other church. The people of God. And the response to that is, yep, the Lord has done great things for us. You see, we've got to understand what confidence is all about. And I get there's an arrogance. Absolutely. And pride is something God resists. But sometimes we are too self-effacing. You know what? You're so blessed. Oh, no, Pastor Jay. Come on, put your head up and say, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Learn how to receive the good things that God has done. I'm not saying that we praise one another. We praise God but we certainly encourage one another. And the greatest way to give glory to God is to point out what God has done in somebody else. Amen? So when we can point it out and say, yeah, God's done great things for you. Thank you. Yes, God has done great things for me. Should we all try that? Say, yes, thank you. God has done great things for me. Yes, thank you. God has done great things for me. Now say that to the person next to you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, God has done great things for me. God has done great things for me. We're filled with joy. So that sort of tells you how we're supposed to say it. Oh yeah, thanks. God's really good to me. <laughs> We're filled with joy. Yeah. God's awesome. He's done amazing things for me. I'll be here all year telling you all the good stuff that God has done for me. See, some of you, there was a thing I saw in a post the other day, and it was Einstein. Now, I don't normally quote Einstein. I don't know if he had a relationship with God. Very clever man. But he, he was speaking at a high-flying university sort of thing. And he put up one times nine equals nine. Two times nine equals 18. Anybody see this? That's what he did. Three times nine is 27. Four times nine is 36. Five times nine is 45. Six times nine is 54. Seven times nine is 63. Eight times nine is 72. Nine times nine is 81. Ten times nine is 91. That's what he put up there. You guys have all done exactly what those students did. He got it right nine times, missed it once, and you're more interested in the one time he got it wrong than the nine times he got it right. 
Hello. God has done great things. Yeah, but Pastor Joe, what about that one little bit that down there that didn't work? Hey, what about all the rest of the stuff that God's been faithful in? What about all the rest of the stuff? Don't point out the 91. See, you all feel very rebuked now, don't you? You feel very rebuked. Some of you are going to justify why it was right to point out the 91. Because he should easily have got the other ones. And he should easily have got... Just, just get the brain down and get the heart up and just go... He got it right nine times. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. I think that was an amen. I don't know. The Lord has done great things for us. We're filled with joy. Restore our fortunes. Basically, he's saying, now do it again. Do it again. Like streams in the desert. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out, tears, weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return. Not might do. Will. Everybody say will. Will return with songs of joy, carrying the harvest with them. Today, I want to I close the series off. With this, point number three really is seasons come and seasons go. Seasons come and seasons go. If there's one thing I've learned over, how long have I been a Christian now? 36 years of being a Christian, 30 years pastoring churches. One thing I've learned is seasons come and seasons go. But you see, people get stuck in a season. They keep themselves in a season. So we got to learn that seasons come and seasons go. It's really, really important that we understand seasons come and seasons go. It says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which is the great season sort of passage really. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Now, can you see that word, purpose? That's absolutely vital if you're going to understand the passage. If you're going to understand the seasons of God, you must understand the purpose of God. Because seasons have to do with purpose. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to, uh, for tears, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of the peace of God. Peace. Understanding seasons is absolutely vital. It's fundamental to our life of faith and consistency. See, God wants a, a church that's the same, yesterday, today, and forever, just like he's the same. 
yesterday, today, and forever. To be consistent. To be people of faith. And if we're going to be people of faith, then it's important that we understand and apply our thinking of seasons in the right way. See, some people have a, an understanding of seasons, but they apply it to the wrong thing. Because some things are not seasonal. It's not a time to be offended and a time to forgive. Hello? There's no season of offense. Oh, Pastor Dale, I'm just in a season where I hate everybody. Uh, no, that's not a season. That's a stinking attitude. Yeah? So we sometimes apply this understanding of, of being in a time or a, a season to the wrong thing. See, seasons do not apply to our inheritance. They do not apply to our inheritance. An inheritance is an inheritance. It's always time for the inheritance. Always. It's always time for blessing. Because we were already blessed. See... Interesting how I could really get into Ecclesiastes 3 right now. But everything in there has to do with demanding fruit in some way. There's nothing there that says a time to be sick and a time to be well. Hello? If you read through the Gospels, you don't find one place where anybody came to Jesus to lay hold of an aspect of the inheritance and Jesus said, not now. Not one place. Not one place did Jesus say, you're not in the season for that miracle. You need to go and live with that for another six months. You need to hang on to that for another year. Come back when I come back through this way in a couple of years' time. Never once do you find Jesus ever apply an understanding of season to the receiving of our inheritance that is already bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. There is not, and I'm just going to go for this one, there is not a season of salvation for someone's life. It's always God's will for that person to be healed. Now, God knows when they're going to respond. Absolutely, I understand that. God's got foreknowledge. I'm not getting into Calvinism, Armenianism, the foreknowledge, the predestination of God. I'm not getting into all of that this morning. Come to academy and you'll learn it all. But what we do need to understand is some things are always now. Some things are always now. Forgiveness is always Right now, always. Healing is always now. Joy is interesting. Joy is always now because joy is strength. 
But there are times when it's right to mourn. But that's not instead of joy. Ah. See, this gets a bit deep for some people. It's not like, well, I'm throwing away all my joy now. Joy, leave, 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 leave. It's not the season for joy, and now I'm going to grieve over something. No, you still got joy on the inside, even in the middle of your grieving. In fact, it works with it. Because joy gives you hope, which is why the Bible clearly says we don't grieve like the world grieves. Why? Because we've got some joy in there which says, you know what, God's going to turn all things round together for good. Why, even though now I'm suffering some loss, I'm coming out into a larger place. Oh, I'm going ahead of myself. There's not a time to be defeated and a time for victory. See, what do you apply seasonal thinking to? You see, what often a religious mindset can do is when we're going through something that we don't understand, we just say, well, it's just the season. It's just the season. So, you know, I prayed for something, it didn't happen, so I must be in the season for unanswered prayer now. <laughs> see, and we can get too deep for our own good. It's not a time for sin and a time for holiness. It's always a time for holiness. It's not a time for being restricted and bound up and a time for freedom. No, it's always the time for freedom. Can you see some things are not seasonal? They're now. And yet so often people just say, you know what, I've just got to sit bound for another few weeks because it's obviously not God's will that I'm free today. Because it didn't happen. Or whatever. I don't feel it. Or whatever people do. It's important that we ask ourselves the question, why do we go through seasons? Because seasons are very powerful. You know, if there's one thing we've got to understand for our life of faith, for our life of overcoming the world, for our life of, of, of being Christ in the earth, in the head, we're the body, um, we've got to understand seasons. Because seasons are very powerful. So we've got to ask the question, why do we go through seasons? Because if we understand why we go through seasons and what seasons are all about, then we can go through them the way God wants us to go through them. Do you remember at the start of this? It was there's a time for every season, uh, for every purpose. So season and purpose go hand in hand. Absolutely they do. The first reason that we go through seasons is because God wants fruit. God wants fruit. He wants us to grow in an area. Have you ever been through a, a, a purpose in God, a time, a, a, a season where you think, I'm really growing in that area? See, seasons, when we're talking about a God season, then it must be planned by God. It must be ordained by God. It's not just something that happens. Oh, I'm in a season because... The world's going through something. No, it's a season that's planned and purposed by God for me. For me. And if that's the case, then I'm going to embrace every season because it's the will of God. Are you with me? 
This is so important. Otherwise, you, you can even find yourself fighting the seasons. But if we understand that the first and the most important, I would say, the reason why we go through seasons is because God wants fruit from my life. He wants me to grow in some area. So it could be, you've all seen, I'm sure you've seen Evan Almighty and Bruce Almighty. And in Evan Almighty, there's that great bit where they're in the, the fried, the fried uh, Nando chicken place, whatever it is. And there they are, and the, you know, the wife's gone off with the, with the kids because Evan's gone mad. He's building a boat. I, whoever wrote those films, absolutely brilliant. There are so many parallels you can get. So off she goes because her husband's gone mad. He's building an ark, growing a beard that he keeps shaving. It keeps coming back, and it's hilarious. If you've not seen it, Christmas. Christmas Day, have your turkey, sit down and watch Evan Almighty or Bruce Almighty. Anyway, so she sits there and up comes God, which is not really God, obviously it's an actor. But God is, what's his name? Morgan Freeman. And God comes up and he's serving the chicken and, you know, stuff is going on and, and it's hilarious. And he said, if somebody prays for patience, do you think God just gives them patience or does he give them an opportunity to be patient? Now, I'm not going to quote a film that's, you know, we stand on God's word and we believe God's word. But the whole point of our Christian life is opportunity. So, Lord, I, you know, I want to grow in in laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Well, God's going to bring along a lot of sick people past your house and see what you do with them. He'll start with somebody with a headache and have a go at that. And then he'll go up to somebody with, with I don't know, a, a, a collarbone issue. And then just grow. And in the end, you'll be laying hands on dead people. Why? Because you've grown. And it has to do with the purpose of God. If you have an issue I'm going to come back to this unforgiveness thing because we live in such a crazy world today where everybody hates everybody except in the church. So we love everybody. Amen? It's really good. I was having a chat with somebody just the other day and it was great because, you know, we were talking about, you know, American, America, the whole polarization of the political field in America. We were just talking about it, how it's happening all over the place. And he said he was, you know, supporter of, of Party A. And I said, well, I'll be a supporter. And I'm a supporter of Party B. Well, if that happens in the world, there would have been a fight in the middle of the, the bowling place where we were on Friday night. Because we disagreed. But you know what? There was nothing. He was just like, hey, who cares? Hello? Who cares? See, forgiveness is not subject to political party. Forgiveness is not subject to race. Forgiveness is not subject to age. Forgiveness is not subject to gender. Forgiveness is just forgiveness. Just forgiveness. And if you've got an issue with forgiveness, God is going to see to it that you have a season of a lot of people to forgive. Is God causing the offenses? No. He's just making sure you are there when they happen. (laughs) Amen. Can you see the purpose of God in that? 
Because God wants us to grow. Why? Because God wants fruit from our lives. Oh God, I want to fund the kingdom. I want to fund the kingdom. God, I want to build buildings for Citygate Church. Thank you very much. Start with tithing. Don't give me all of this. Oh, when, I, when this happens, God, I'm going to be generous then. You're fooling yourself. Hello? Is this right? Wonderful. I'm glad you like it. You see, God takes us through seasons and organizes environments. Why? Because he wants us to grow in an area. He wants us to grow. See, God doesn't, he doesn't just put the gift on your blop and then you go and function. No, you start where you are and you grow in that thing. I hope you're getting something out of this because I need to shoot on. Why else do we go through seasons? Because circumstances want fruit. You see, I'm not a believer. I do not believe. And I know this upsets people. Oh, it upsets people. But yeah, I've found no other way to say it, that I'm right. I mean, it's just <laughs> God is not in control. He's not in control. And I know people wrestle with that. God is not in control. God is in authority, which is a totally different mindset. If God is in control, it means everything that happens is God's will. Everything that happens. And if that's the case, then why on earth do we even bother praying? Because if God's in control, then God's in control. But if God's in authority, then that means we share that authority and prayer and faith and everything else works with authority. And um, if God's in control and if God's will was always done, there would be no, you know, that... It brought me to tears when that 12-year-old girl was stabbed. Some things shock you. I'm pretty much unshockable. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've been around a long time. I've seen stuff. I've been around stuff, both in my own personal experience and also what you see. Got saved at 19, and some of the people, well, at least, <laughs> aren't alive today because of the environment that I was in as a teenager. Horrendous. But something shocked you, and they've arrested a 13-year-old, two 14s, and a 15-year-old for murdering a 12-year-old. Now, we don't know the facts. We don't know what's going on. I'm not going to start innocent until proven guilty. Please don't go down the road as throwing stones and declaring people guilty. We've just seen that in America. Again, sorry to say that again, but it's absolutely taken our, our, our press and our TV screens and everybody forms opinions before any truth has been said. Hello. Really important. So let's not do the same thing with that. But I was shocked, shocked to the core. If God was in control, that would never have happened. Hello? Because that was not God's will. Absolutely not. It's because the church needs to strengthen up in the UK. 
Come on, let's put the authority where it needs to be. If we had a church in authority, if we had a church in the majority, not just 3% of people going to church on a Sunday, but if we were back and we had revival and restoration going on and, and, and a renewal of the nation, which is what we are going for and believing God for, then crime goes down. Crime doesn't go down because you take away the gun or the knife. Crime goes down because people get born again. Quite simply, people come to God. Oh, I'm really getting, I don't want to get into all this this morning. Man alive. So circumstances want fruit. Have you ever been in a circumstance and you think, I've got to do something. I've got to do, I've got to say something. I've got to do something. I've got to be light in this situation. Well, often that happens because we need to learn. Remember, this is all about bearing fruit and learning and it's because we need to learn again how to overcome the world. We are world overcomers. Any world overcomers in the house today? Yeah, we're all world overcomers, absolutely. And circumstances happen, not because God makes the circumstance happen, but we find ourselves in it now. And it's demanding fruit from our lives. And then the third thing is because Satan is demanding fruit. If you are the son of God, what about Job? See, Satan only knows something's faith when something happens by faith. He's got no spiritual discernment on the inside. See, somebody can stand there and go, yeah, I've got faith. And Satan goes, oh, well, if he has, I'm in trouble. If he has, if she has, I'm in trouble. So I'm going to send a Goliath now. And if he, can, if he can take off the head, then I know he's got some faith. If he can't, I know he hasn't. Satan has no spiritual discernment. We've really got to understand that. Why? Because faith is spiritually discerned. Really, It's not just because, oh, somebody said that by faith. They've got a lot of faith. Well, they might have just said something. Hello? They might have just said something. Now, that's where you start, and that's what... But you know what? To know if it's really faith or not, there's going to be some faith fruit. The Bible says to follow the faith of those who lead us. There's, there'll be faith fruit. There'll be evidence of faith. There'll be a life of faith. Stuff will happen. Mountains will move. That's when we know we got some faith, because faith will move the mountain. Now, that may take some time. I get it. Don't just say, well, he said it, and three seconds later, boom, nothing's moved. No, it's like the fig tree. 24 hours later, they saw that it withered from the roots. So you don't judge it by what you see, but there will be faith fruit. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? And Satan wants fruit. Why? Because he wants to stop us from reaping our harvest. He wants to upset things. See, seasons apply in so many areas. Churches go through seasons. If you don't understand seasons in church life, you'll never grow a church. I'm not just speaking to pastors and leaders here today, but, but it's important that we understand seasons because we're all, we're all in the boat. We're all in the boat. And there's a time we're heading into, and we're in now, a time of celebration. Get the season. Get the season. Oh no, Pastor Jay, God's taking me through something different. Well, yeah, there's personal seasons as well. 
There's personal seasons which will all be different for everybody because God knows where you need to grow and where I need to grow and the journey and the purpose that we have specifically. But when we come together, you know, it's not like my fingers going off in that direction and my elbows in that direction and my knees in that direction. It's like, whoa, no, we're all going in the same direction even though the finger's doing something that the elbow's not doing. And the finger's learning something that the eye is learning something different. So we're all going through different things. And that's fine, but all of that is subject to the season of the body that we're part of. That's why church is so important. And the other great thing is if the church is going through a season, grab it for yourself. Grab it for yourself. I mean, I could say over the years, we've been through seasons of of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've been through seasons of incredible laughter. We've been through a season or seasons of incredible holiness. And it's like in the worship, it's like that holy hush. We've been through seasons of warfare, spiritual warfare. When we're in the name of Jesus, devils back off. We've been through seasons of intercessory prayer for the nation. You go through seasons as a church. This is why it's so important, because this is how God works in the world. And you know, people who say, oh, I'm a Christian, I don't need to go to church. Yeah, um, what? What? Let me just get an axe and chop my finger off, bang, and say, you don't need to be in a body. I mean, that's what you're saying. It's craziness. No wonder the thing dies and suffers and doesn't ever fulfill anything. Amen. Success in your business has to do with the body you're in. Success in your family has to do with the body you're in. Why? Because God takes us through seasons together. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. Churches go through seasons. People go through seasons. Companies and businesses go through seasons. Families go through seasons. Why? Because God wants fruit. Because circumstances demand fruit. And because the devil wants to test fruit. Seasons is so important. Now it's really clear from Psalm 126, there are times of loss and times of recovery. Amen. God is a returner, he's a rebuilder, he's a restorer, he's a recoverer, he's a reviver, and he's a resurrector. He takes that which is broken and he fixes it. Doesn't mean to say there's a season of being broken, but it's like, okay, the season I'm in, we've just been through two years and it ain't over yet. Everyone's going, oh, Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. Get a grip. Hello? There's a season going on in the world which demands fruit from the church. God didn't send the Omicron or whatever it is and the COVID, but there's a season that's now demanding that we're caring, compassionate, loving for the people around us, empowered by the Holy Ghost, lay hands on the sick and they recover. We're at a time of great supernatural release. Absolutely wonderful. Harvest time has never been easier. Wow. See, people make decisions based on the snapshot of their life. But it's just a season. 
My whole life is a video. Sharon's just been through, I don't know how many photographs. It's got to be over a thousand. You go into our, our room, bedroom, not that I'm inviting you, but just there, just saying, please come and sit. And under the radiator, because it's the only place for them at the moment, there's, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 things of photographs from over the years. Now it's all electronic, but we've, we're, we're old school. We got the six by fours till about 2004. No, earlier than that, probably, anyway. And they're all there. Sharon's been through everything, seeing all these photographs. And you know what? There's some in there from the 90s and the 80s, some in there from the 70s. Sharon with a perm. Man alive. Dolly Parton, eat your heart out. It's like, boof. Sharon there with 80 shoulder pads. It's true, isn't it? The kids, the kids in their baby grows and their little booty things. They've got some beautiful photographs. But we've all changed. None of them are the same as where we are today. I had hair in nearly all of the ones that we've got there. Never make a decision based on a snapshot. Never. I mean, the world says it like this. Don't make life-changing decisions in the middle of a crisis. But never make a decision based on a snapshot. Make decisions based on purpose. As we close. Oh, man alive. Four things. I'll just read them. I'll send the notes out if you want them. How do we learn to navigate the seasons of life? You think, oh, well, this is the main part of the message. Well, yeah, sort of. Number one, we've got to discern. We've got to discern. Be spiritually minded. Discernment. That means turn the world off and listen to the still small voice on the inside. The voice of the Holy Spirit. Discern. See, some people say they're discerning when they're just feeling. Learn the difference between feeling and discernment. Really important. Jesus said, you can understand the weather. we got weather apps now. Thank God I don't believe them. <laughs> Seriously. Yesterday, we had to do some work on the car. I say that's the proverbial we I stood and watched. As somebody worked on my car, thank you, Neil. And I'd been to the, the app. And I'd seen that the weather was going to be terrible. Horrendous weather. I could have got on the phone, cancel it. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And it's so easy to live life like that. What goes on around us? Cancel the blessing because the world's going through it. Cancel healing because we've got a new strain of COVID now. Cancel the power of God because there's an economic problem going on. Cancel prosperity and abundance and the blessing of God because now there's a, there's a mess around us. Cancel it because that's what the app says. Hello. It just, it's, you know, let's get some discernment going on the inside. Discernment. Spiritual ears open. God's written word speaks. Spiritual discernment built on the inside. Ephesians 
one prayer, the Apostle Paul said this, I pray that God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And if you get into the Greek there, and I'm no great Greek scholar, but I can read a concordance, it basically says you develop a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It becomes you on the inside. Develop discernment. Everybody say discernment. The second one is faith. Everybody say faith. How do we navigate the seasons of life? We discern what the season is. And then in the middle of it, we have faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, which means we're consistent. These people in Psalm 126, even though there was no fruit going on, they kept sowing. That's, the, that's what it says. They were going out sowing in tears, sowing in tears, sowing in tears. 70 years, sowing in tears. Keep sowing faith, but there was a time of harvest. They didn't say, well, nothing's growing. Let's stop. No one's getting healed. Let's stop praying. No one's getting saved. Let's stop preaching the gospel. No one's getting saved. Let's, let's stop giving the altar call. You see, some people get embarrassed. We, at the end of every service, come on, there's people here to give their lives to Christ. And nine times out of ten, we get responses. Sometimes we don't. So we go, oh, that's a waste of time, was it? No, because you sow. You build an environment. You build a confidence in the environment, and there is a time of harvest. Everybody say time of harvest. Okay, so sow in tears. You sow with faithfulness. You sow with vision. You sow with trust in God. Don't stop sowing. Don't stop sowing. And I'm not just talking finance. So I'm talking everything. Don't stop sowing prayer and joy and peace and forgiveness and love. Don't stop sowing. Number three. How do we successfully go through the seasons of life? <laughs> Number three is really important, with humility. With humility. Why do I say that? Because seasons are what we are taken through, not what we choose. I've never once chosen a season because I don't put myself in seasons. God puts me in seasons. And if God puts me in a season, I'm just going to say, yes, Lord. But it's a tough season. It's a tough one. Thank you, Jesus. You're teaching. This is for purpose. I'm coming out better. I'm growing in this. Can you see? You see, humility is so important. Otherwise, you find yourself resisting the season that God's taking you through. And if you resist the season, well, let me get on to number four. Can I just say in this humility thing, don't resign yourself to the bad, but endure whatever is impacting your life. Endure means you bear up under the pressure of it, not crumple under it. Number four as we close, thankfulness. So everybody say, discernment, faith, humility. Number four, thankfulness. Jesus says, in all things, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. When we exalt Jesus Christ, he can reign in each and every situation. When we moan and complain, we extend the season that we don't even want to be in. Did you get that one? See, we think if we moan and complain, God will say, oh, all right, I'll get you out then. And he says, no, stay in it. You obviously haven't learned anything. Tough stuff, guys. But if God's going to do it again, we've got to understand some seasons. 
When we rejoice, when we're thankful, we learn quicker. We learn quicker. Well, this has been going on a long time and I'm so thankful. Yeah, you have no idea how long it would have gone on for. I love the fact that all of this results in this. The Lord's done great things for them. Perhaps you're in a season of sowing in tears. In whatever area of life. Keep walking. Keep humble. Keep thankful. Keep full of faith. Keep discerning. Because harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. If you say, oh, no, it's not, you're resigning yourself to the valley. No, they passed through the valley of tears, Psalm 68. They passed through the valley of tears and turn it into a spring of water. Makes the desert blossom as a rose. Seasonal understanding is vital to our life of faith and victory. Let's all stand to our feet today. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for the season that we are in. In all things, give thanks. So we're giving you a thankful attitude and giving you thanks in this season. Whatever it is personally, we thank you for it as a church. In the middle of this season around the world, we give you thanks. You didn't send it. You didn't cause it. But what a great opportunity. And Father, we thank you today. For discernment, we receive a spirit of discernment. Prophetic insight. Thank you for that spirit of faith, which means we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Thank you for that humble heart. Humility, which is our choice and our response to your greatness and your will. We say, be done the will of God. Come the kingdom of God. Over and above our preference, we receive your purpose. So Father, we thank you that you are the God who will do it again. Whether it's a Goliath, a mountain, a job, a business, a family, you're the God who turns our captivity. Like floods in the desert. It may look desert now, but floods coming. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, as we close this service, there are people here today who need to give their life to Christ. Respond to the love of God that Jesus died on a cross to give you life. And you know what? Perhaps you're here today and you've never responded to that message. Perhaps you think, I need to come back to Jesus. I need to come back. I say I'm a Christian, but I don't live like one. Whoever you are here today, come on. If you know you need to respond and say, Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm just going to ask you to do one thing very quickly, and that is to lift your hand in this auditorium now, please. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Awesome. Well done. Awesome. Awesome. People coming to Christ. Wonderful. Just going to give it another couple of seconds. Is there anybody else here today? Come on, you need to respond and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
Is there anybody else here today? Wonderful. Let's all pray this prayer, whether you've responded or not. Let's say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Saviour, and my friend. Thank you for dying for me, for paying the price for all of my sin. From this day forwards, I put my trust in you to walk with you, speak with you, be led by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise today, shall we? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. God bless you.